In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. That's lls.org slash big climb. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's bonus episode of The Full 60, another prospect series. It's funny, Corey, we, and I've got Corey Pronman here with me, our, of course, our, our prospect expert at The Athletic, and um, we've now allowed comments or added the ability for people to comment to podcasts, and one of them, I think, uh, and the last time you were on was like, can we just give this guy his own show rather than just have him jammed into The Full 60? Corey, people love you. People love your insight. I think people love me would be pretty broad if there's only one comment, <laughs> but I do appreciate the comment. <laughs> I, I do like to make uh, giant conclusions based on one comment and just say everybody loves you based on that one person. So I, I hear you it. people out there. And it's good. I agree. I think Corey should have his own podcast. That way I don't have to, to put him on mine every every month. So that would be... No, we love having Corey on. And what's especially... Um, it's it's sad because this would be a week normally that I would be working very closely with Corey and we would be hanging out at the Marriott in Buffalo because this is previously and before times, this would have been NHL Combine Week um, where I like to go and just bug people and hang out in the lobby and, and, and talk to GMs and Corey likes to do actual work and... and continue to analyze prospects and, and watch them work. And so, Corey, let's start right there. We're missing the combine, um, postponed indefinitely, of course, like everything else. But you're still talking to everybody who are still talking to these prospects. They're not getting them in a room in Buffalo to grill them. But, you know, what's that process look like when you talk to people in the industry? Uh, well, I mean, the two main benefits to teams out of the combine or is, is one a medical workup and two getting the decision makers to be able to get interviews with these players um, on the interview front uh, they've been doing them all through zoom or skype or some sort of video chat for the most part for the last two months i would say um, and they were doing them in really high volume in the last couple of weeks because you know, up until that return to play announcement came a couple of days ago, um, you know, teams had no idea what the draft was going to be. Well, they all had speculation, like guesses. But, you know, I, a lot of teams I was talking to were preparing for a June or July draft. And they were all interviewing kids at that kind of pace. Like, we got, we got to pick these guys in a few weeks. 
And it was interesting as well, uh, seeing like stories come out from, from us and others about how like teams were adjusting to the Zoom reality and for some clubs, whereas some clubs have been doing this interview, that been interviewing kids this way for years already. Um, but that's basically been how they've been doing it, which is really not like that much different. I mean, it, it, you, you miss that kind of face to face, you know, human element, but that's what, that was one of the things they've been doing, uh, quite uh, frequently the last few weeks. And in terms of the medical workups, uh, you know, teams have still been trying to get that information. Uh, you know, in, I think like, I don't know the exact specifics of this, but I believe like, you know, they get like one doctor does it in one part of the country and that information gets sent to all the 31 teams, just like how it would through the typical combine process. Right. Uh, you know, obviously there's certain guys like say a Hendrix LaPierre who there have like significant medical questions on that they all kind of want answers to. Uh, so I don't know if they get all the answers they usually want, but they are trying to get that medical information in, in, in some way. And, and of course, because you said it's postponed, it's not canceled. And, you know, who knows when this combine actually might happen. They may have a chance to get that actual medical workup information, but it's still extremely unclear. But that's kind of been the team's processes uh, these last couple of weeks. How are we possibly going to know how to rank people or, or where to draft them without seeing them on a bike throwing up and being shouted at? That's the question I need to answer. It is it is a big question. It has a character on you know just has how are you willing to push yourself to to throw up? How much comes out? You know those those are the big questions we always have to ask about these players. <laughs> how much comes out? That would be a great metric. <laughs> This guy puked yeah, one gallon of All right, we'll, 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 we'll send Dom to the next combine. <laughs> <laughs> Volume of, of throw up per minute. That's good. Um, no, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how much, um, how much uh, movement there is because or because not a, a combine or interviews or anything that happens in the bike. But I do know for, for us, it was it's always useful because you start to get inklings of hey you know these this player wasn't loved particularly in these interviews or this group of players or whatever did interviewed really well and people loved them or they didn't interview well you get a sense of their personalities for me it's great like you know you discover somebody's just a great talker or it's it's great from that perspective do you think um do you think people are getting that same same sense of these players over zoom or over the video chats well, they're they're trying. Like you, yeah. you know, you, you talk to guys, and they will they'll say, you know, like like Raymond and Holtz and Rysdale and and Stutzel's interviews have been amazing. For example, they all get kind of they get really high grades for their character. Mm. Um, you know, you, you talk to other guys who who say, well, their interviews may not have gone as well. For for example, uh, you know, those aren't like end all be alls, but you know, teams like to check those boxes off. Um, and but. You, you do interview these kids throughout the year. These are not the only interviews. Your area guys usually do thorough interviews, but these usually, these are the times usually for the decision makers, your your AGMs, your GMs, uh, to meet these guys, and that's what they've been doing through these Zoom calls. And you figure the Coyotes could just share all their medicals on on these players. That should take care of that, right? Yeah, that's a looming uh, thing, kind of right now that people kind of put into the background. 
given that the league's had a couple of other issues to work out these last That's couple right. of weeks. That's right. kind of other <laughs> stuff going on. Um, uh, yeah. And that was, I, I, you think that has to be concluded before there's a draft in case there's a draft pick that's part mm. of the penalty. Uh, but now that the draft has been kicked back to a much later date, you figured they'll get to that at some point if, what, yeah. if, there is a, if there's a penalty at all. Um, depending on what the what the determination of the investigation is, um, but uh, you know, trust me, you're not the first one to make that joke among hockey people I've oh, talked wow. to. Okay, you don't have to rub it in. I, thought it was I being want original. to. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, you mentioned it's funny because we were all gearing up. I mean, we uh, you know, on our end, because we were, we were trying to make a plan in terms of what coverage was going to look like. It like. A June draft looked very real. And, you know, that weekend when the NHL dropped the memo to teams and we're going over it and it's like, okay, this is happening. We need to prepare. And what does it look like from a coverage standpoint? And there was a lot of hustle going on. And and I'm sure teams are doing the same thing. And now all of a sudden, like that's a huge extreme to go from, hey, it's going to be in three weeks or whatever to, you know, the fall. So now... Now what for everybody? Like people you're talking to, are they like, okay, I'm just gonna take the foot off the gas and go to the beach? Um, not a hundred percent, but kind of. I mean, I think a lot of teams because they didn't, they thought, like you said, it was going to be a June or maybe an early July draft. They had really started to finalize uh, their amateur meeting processes in terms of their rankings, their interviews, um, their discussions, etc. So I would say most teams I talk to are somewhere between eighty to a hundred percent done uh their their list making process so i think just talking to them they're like okay we're, we're almost at the finish line here let's just finish and then we kind of we'll, we'll just like kind of lock up that information and put it aside for a couple of months um yeah. and then maybe revisit it uh later but it's possible there might be new information to come over the summer uh you know just in terms there's in various forms you know talking to one guy is like one we need to stay on these kids figure out who's putting on the weight who's who's working out who's showing up in the rinks in the summer and the fall and might look a little bit quicker and the second part is that uh there might actually be new games you know usa hockey for example has said they do plan to hold some sort of u20 showcase whether or not other countries are involved you know sweden is kind of the one country you know canada's already said they may not come sweden is looking a little dicey right now but sweden has said if they can't come they'll have their own u20 camp in sweden likely um so if those happen that's new information uh sweden and finland's uh, hockey federations have said they intend to start their leagues in September, both their yeah. junior and their pro leagues. Uh, so you might need, you might need to lock up the information, but you might need to unlock it at some point and, and slowly incorporate any new information you might be getting. So it could add some very interesting twists, uh, to this draft. The, I, it, it is interesting to me that there could be change because I'm sitting here going, what what could possibly happen in the next several months? And um, it was interesting to watch. Steve Eisman held his season-ending uh, press conference, and the draft obviously was a big thing with Detroit picking in the top here. And and you know that he he said basically like this this gives people if you're a guy that's not kind of driven this is a perfect excuse for you not, you know you you have every legitimate excuse not to perform well right like if you're a player on the team you may be going almost a year without playing a game or if you're a prospect you know there's no you you may lose motivation and he's like but on the flip side if you this is a chance to separate yourself if you do have that personal drive and 
you, you know, if, if somebody else loses motivation, you can step in. And I'm really paraphrasing, but like that's what they're going to be watching. Like who 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 continues to have that drive? Who is going to try to take advantage of this opportunity? And that's that's interesting to me to hear you say that. Like you, the teams are going to be watching. Like who who's adding weight now? Who's who's using this time wisely? I th- and then, I think that's a challenge to try to identify that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you obviously can't be watching watching these kids, but you know, they'll they'll stay in touch with their trainers and the coaches, and and you know, you kind of hope over the next few months there'll be times where these kids can start getting on the ice again, and you can start monitoring things a little closely. Um, and, and you know, for the most part, a lot of these kids' seasons were done. Um, you know, yeah. the North Americans were maybe the exception because we lost the CHL playoffs, but for the Europeans, uh, you know, their seasons were, were, were near the end there. Um, you know, so, you know, they didn't get a full year and they do, they are, this is kind of would be their offseason period regardless. Um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where they start. And, you know, I, you know, especially if the SHL and the Liga start on time. Uh, I think, you know, those first few weeks, you could kind of see, okay, well, who's stepping in immediately and showing they can play right. the pro level immediately and like, look, look the part, uh, at the top of the draft. Like, for example, a, a Lucas Raymond did not have, you know, a great statistical season last year playing on a deep offensive for a Linda club. You know, if he shows up and that's kind of been one of the issues of, okay, is he top five? Is he top 10? Like that, that's kind of one of the, like the kind of the debate points. But if he shows up like next uh, next fall and like just puts up like six points in the first three games or something like that, like you're gonna start now. All of a sudden, there's gonna be some momentum there. Uh, so, but again, that's all kind of speculative based on things that could happen months from now. But it adds some interesting twists to this draft, like I said before. That's I I never even considered that that there may be additional games going into next year that that people can make decisions off of well again that's again purely speculative. very speculative we, of course we, with the, all we, the don't, we, do, we, we don't know when the draft is we don't know when the shl is actually going to start they haven't given us a schedule that i've been aware of the champions league has been has already announced they are postponing their starts that usually starts before the shl so i don't yeah. think that's going to be in the same window I, I could be wrong i don't know the exact date off the top of my head but i know they've postponed the champions league by a couple of weeks uh and I think the NHL will probably want to get ahead of that, you know, not have the, the draft occur when the college season theoretically is already starting because that could provide complications with, you know, with in, in various ways. Um, yeah. But uh, like I said, it, that's why it's kind of hard to make predictions for, for the fall and for this draft because it's all speculative. We have no dates. We have no certainty. Uh, kind of been the theme of the year so far. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's And then you like you run the risk of, of four recent games or something completely screwing up a year's worth of research on a guy. You know what I mean? What if Lucas Raymond has a huge start and you're like, I love this guy all of a sudden. And you- yeah, no, I mean, you got to balance that. And I think, you know, these are the professional scouts. I think, you know, understand you have to balance that information in a certain way and, and be careful. And it depends whether you only have two games versus like 10 extra games. So that could be a very significant difference in extra information you know because they you know they only usually play like 40 shl games to begin with in a season yeah. um you know that that could be significant especially if there's a summer camp too um so so we'll see on that front i a the college one would be like if it gets to the college you're probably getting like one weekend so that was the one you have to be careful about uh, but again that's hugely speculative on what the college season could look like uh 
and you're talking to NHL teams. I was talking with one executive the other day. It was just like discussing the complications of possibly, at least in that first month or so or two, of having to follow two age groups at once. You got to follow the 03s because that's mm. the 2021 class. And now you got to follow the 02s again because the 02s are still eligible. Um, uh, and that could add uh, significant, uh, um, you know, stress to an amateur scouting department. Uh, who already are going to probably face significant stresses next season in terms of how to properly, you know, go about watching these players. What's travel going to look like? What's your budget going to look like? Um, You know, how much is video going to be playing a part in this process? A lot of unanswered questions. Again, the theme of the year. Right. All right. Um, I want to get into your top. You just you dropped your your huge giant list for this draft um, on the athletic, your top 122. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to I wanted to speculate a little bit more um, about what this the, what the fall may look like, where guys might be playing, because because I mean you mentioned the college season, um, like I can't I just can't imagine a scenario where you know Boston College is playing in October. It just seems so like that's just and whatever you know it just seems crazy to me. Um, but it does seem somehow more reasonable that that there's going to be some some leagues in Europe that are more advanced. How and again, with all the caveats that we don't know anything, but I mean, you are talking to people. How realistic, or do you think guys are going to, you know, look to Europe or or try to find places to play this fall? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean that. I mean, that's the only good answer I could kind of give you. Like maybe because like like you said, like I mean, there are schools in the United States that are saying they're going to allow kids on campus. So I mean, that's. You know, you know, I think we'll, we'll have some answers once we kind of get some answers from college football. I think, cause I think they're going to lead the way on that front in terms of college athletics. Yeah. Uh, you know, are they going to put fans in the stadiums? And if so, what, what does that, what does that mean for the other sports? You know, difference between indoor and outdoor sports are going to be significant in this discussion. Um, but I, I, you know, I've, I've heard that spitballed among people, but like I, when I talk to agents, they have no, they have no firm answers for me. They say, right. you know, we're, we're, we're taking all the information as we can. You know, we have no idea which leagues are playing in September or October. Uh, we know which, th- which they know they're all planning to, even the junior hockey and the, you know, is saying, you know, we're planning to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, on June first, when we're recording this right now, there there are no good answers other than people will say it's an option, and you know we'll we'll take it from there. But I mean, I I would say from at least Sweden and Finland, NHL teams are have their eyes set on some kind of scouting in that region in the fall, uh, just for the players that are already there. Uh, in terms of whether North American players will migrate there, I think that's way too speculative right now to really have any idea from the agents and the NHL teams I'm talking to. Yeah. It has been fascinating this the whole Sweden thing in and it is one of the areas that impacts hockey because it is I mean if they are the only league in town something that's going to change things on some level. I don't know what that looks like, but might be writing a lot about Swedish hockey in the fall, I don't know. That's fine by me. Yeah, yeah no, it is possible. Uh, I mean I think, you know, like I said, I do think Finland at least is trying to plan to open in the fall as well. But Sweden, you know, has said, I think the, the Federation put out a release. They didn't say they're going to put fans in the stadiums, uh, at least initially, if, yeah. if it wasn't safe. But they did say they think they're going to start their league on time. 
Um, okay. Uh, well, let's get to your. I, I want to dive into your to your list. But before we do, sure. let me take a quick break here um, and and promote some supporters of the podcast, and then we'll jump back in. The Last Dance documentary, which I actually just binged with my son Calvin, we waited till it was all done and knocked it out, and it was great. Has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the goat? Is LeBron the goat? Actually, it's Jordan. That's crazy. I think we settled this. Anything. Anyways, one thing we know for sure is Manscaped is the goat for men's grooming. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. One word. If you're a local business owner or somebody who is looking to get the word out about their business, it could, I don't, it could be a website, it could be something in the hockey industry, anything, I just want to give you a heads up that we can connect you with this podcast and the people that sell ads, and you can advertise on this show. But most of our listeners, like if let's say you're in the hockey community, the people listening to this, these are engaged listeners. They're into the, the world of hockey. Um, the, these are intelligent. They're looking at getting better. They're really, I mean, they're like you are. If you're listening to this, you are most likely a loyal and engaged listener. And what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast and support what we're doing? There's a lot of positives here. So I just wanted to add this note that if you want to advertise on this show on the full 60, go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's theathletic.com slash podcast ads. And there you'll find a very simple form uh, that reaches out to our advertising department and we'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads, fill out the form, and we'll get in touch. All right. So Corey, even without the draft in June, and, and like people, this is some <laughs> so how the sausage gets made. There was a lot of debate with us internally of when to even drop your list because it's like, hey, should we just wait till the fall? You know, why are we doing a list now? But uh, it, it just, even in the cycle of things, like my mind is still around a June draft. I want to talk about the draft. I want, you know, there's there's still it just is kind of the calendar of events is, is so ingrained in us. And I'm really glad, especially with the announcement of the lottery, at least we have some clarity of what the top of the draft is going to look like. Um, and so you released your top 122. We might have some clarity. We might have some clarity. It's very possible the three placeholders win the three spots. <laughs> we have no quiv. We have no idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we didn't even talk about the lottery. I I don't think there's enough, in my opinion, not enough phases to the draft lottery. I I thought that whole idea was just was just so unnecessary. I see no reason why it should have just been. <laughs> Three draws for the bottom seven teams. Like, I, I don't, like, like, it just seems, it just seemed unnecessary, that second phase. It just, I don't understand the logic behind that. It's not like teams were tanking because they knew there was only going to be seven draws, uh, no, seven teams in the lottery, something like that. It, right. I, I, I like I, I get it, these are tough decisions, and I understand you want to have diversified odds for various incentives. Um, 
but it just seemed unnecessary. I, I don't understand why they need to do this whole placeholder second phase concept. It just seems like you could have just skipped that part and get back to the 15 team system in 2021. Well, right. So I, it just from a very like pragmatic point of view, the, the, the lottery is in there to prevent tanking. Well, that's water under the bridge. Like there's, you know, we can, we're not going to go back in time based on whatever decision was made. So I agree. You could have very you could have made this much easier if you if you're the league. However, I however, didn't. I I for one <laughs> like the idea of three placeholders winning, and then we have another lottery to go crazy about whenever in in August or whenever that's going to be. Oh, I mean, trust can me, you imagine? Those, yeah, trust me. Some of those fan bases in the bottom teams will definitely go crazy. Oh my gosh! Just like. like just, so like so so now we're watching like let, let's play this out a second like let's say there's three placeholders we got three NHL logos or whatever that looks like uh, um, and we're watching these first round playing games and it's the Blackhawks and it's you know Toronto and you know fans are probably going to be rooting for them to lose I, I have to you know we've seen it you know the the kind of the tanking crowd or whatever that's like hey who cares if we win this playing round let's let's get a, one of those placeholders. What it, like it's what twelve and a half percent for each placeholder? That's all of a sudden yeah. a decent chance if you lose that yeah. round. Yeah, I, I mean we we we've had our people address the math of it. I mean the odds of you know I you know two out of three. Never mind three out of three winning is extremely small. And then if you even if you get in there, you still got to actually win the lottery in the second phase. So it's uh, and I I haven't. I, I'm also unclear on how these conditional picks are going to work, particularly when you have like the one like where Carolina between uh, the Carolina Rangers trade, where it's like the highest of the first round picks, something like that. There is, yeah, it could it could get complicated. Um, it's great. I, I it 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 seemed like on some level they were trying to please so many people in, in coming up with this. To their credit, like it was there was a lot of input, and and so when you do when you are trying to appease so many people it's going to become very complicated um i i I agree with you the easy thing would have been seven teams i I never understood um like you know there were some people that are like hey let's just do it by the reverse order of the standings well i mean there's a lottery like we need to have a lottery but i i it's it's there's a lot of potential for chaos which i love so that'll just from you know our perspective it'll it'll give us something to talk about all right all that aside, uh, the draft, sure. and I'm looking forward to that. So we can, you know, let's let's pretend for a minute we have a June draft, and let's get excited about the your top 122. First sure. of all, I do want to ask, um, who were, you know, I don't think we need to talk. People, if you're listening to this, you know who's at the top of this, this list. It, that hasn't changed. But who were some of the biggest movers in this list from, you know, let's say the start of the year? From the start of the year, well, Tim Stutzel, for one, I would say. Uh, I mean, he's yeah. a guy who I think is pr- extremely likely to go in the top three. could go as high as two, I think. Um, You're hearing just, any yeah. chance of him at one. Like, I hear people just throw that out randomly. Like, hey, he could go one. I'm like, ah, uh, could he? I've, I've heard, like, the odd person say it's plausible, but that, that's like... That's that's like really just like kind of dipping your toe in the water kind of argument. Yeah. Like no 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 team executive that I've talked to says if I had the first overall pick that's who I'm taking kind of thing. Like, right. It's just like yeah he does a lot of things I really like you know he's definitely quicker than Lafreniere but like 
you know, it doesn't probably it doesn't have that same level of skill, but like, you know, I, I, but, you know, he was definitely a guy I moved. I think, you know, he did really well as an underage, but he was playing like in junior in Germany, uh, didn't play at any of the high level international events. You know, there was, you know, we weren't even sure if he was going to play in Germany. He might have come to the USHL. It was very unclear. He had committed to New Hampshire. Um, you know, and I just, you know, he did great in Germany right away in the top pro league, the world junior, and kind of the rest is history there. Uh, I think Seth Jarvis, uh, did, you know, really elevate himself throughout the year at, you know, he came in as a, as a strong prospect, but, you know, he was like one of the leading scorers in the WHL. And I think kind of over the year in the discussions with teams, he went from this guy's good to the guy's, guy's like, no, this guy's really, really good. And I kind of skeptical he's going to get out of the top 15. Not impossible, but I, I think it's like a 50-50 chance right now. Um, Jake Sanderson was a, yeah. was a big riser. I think I talked, you know, I talked to teams in the beginning of the year. Everyone, most teams I talked to had him as a first rounder. But now, you know, I would say it's a 50-50 chance he's the first defenseman off the board. Um, you know, I'd say going top eight, top six, top five, those are all kind of reasonable ranges for him right now based on discussions I'm having with folks. Uh, the two, you know, the Chicago Steel kids, uh, Brendan Brisson, Sam Colangelo, both, uh, rose pretty prominently throughout the season. Um, and then the other couple of German kids, uh, Paterka and, and Reichel, I think all three of those guys, you know, between those two and Stutzel all really helped themselves throughout the year with their play, uh, both at the World Juniors and in the German Pro League. Uh, so those are the main ones that would come to mind. Okay. Was there any debate for you at number one at the top of this list with Bible uh, and Lafreniere? I thought about it for a bit. I think there's a decent enough gap there where I didn't really think it was – a, like a significant debate or, or worth discussing, but I think there's a plausible argument. Like, you know, you'll hear people make the argument that, you know, Byfield is nearly a full year younger. He's yeah. got the more size. He's a better skater. Um, skill level isn't dramatically lower, although I would say it's notably lower. Uh, but, you know, I think there's, there is a non, there is a plausible, somewhat reasonable argument you can make if you really wanted to make it. I, I just, I think there's just such a big skill gap there that, and, and Byfield's incredibly skilled, but I just, right. you know, I think Lafreniere just has that, 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 that extra element, especially when you combine it that he's really physical and competitive, a great shot, just great elite hockey sense. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's a, you know, both are, both I think are going to be stars in the league. Uh, but I think Lafreniere's, uh, talent and his track record was way too strong uh that i didn't really feel the need to think about it that long yeah it is pretty uh, i mean that's the age gap in in draft you know years is pretty significant between the two of them it one's is. a, a it is. yeah yeah byfield yeah, I mean, is in Bi- august 2002 lafreniere is in october 2001 like that's a lot of development time it is and if you kind of compare where byfield is this year like mm-hmm. at this current point in time to where Lafreniere was at this at the same point in time, I think the argument becomes more reasonable. Now you had a full extra year of information that you just can't can't just like throw out on Lafreniere. But you know, I think if you if you rolled Lafreniere back twelve months, um I still might have him ahead, but I think it becomes a little bit more of an interesting argument mm. because I think, you know, both of them were, you know, pretty elite uh, players in junior. I think, you know, Lafreniere's numbers were much, much, were much better this year than they were last season. Both of them had indifferent world juniors. Um, 
You know, his Holink, Lafreniere's Holinka was much better than, than Byfield's, uh, as was the 17 challenge. But like, there's, it would be, it's an interesting argument and one that, as I said, like I said, I think it's, there's a, there's a non insane argument that you can make on that front. Um, okay. Lafreniere, when, when the, um, Maple Leafs end up winning this lottery. This, I mean, this is a guy. Like, we, I feel like I don't want to just blush uh, can, over the top. Can they? Can, can, can they? they <laughs> I don't know. Well, again, <laughs> to think the pick was was the, if the pick the pick I think is lottery protected. Does this count as being in the lottery if you're the placeholder? Like I, I don't like you know, you know. Sorry, the, when the uh, when the Oilers win it, does that right. work better for you? Which they will, right? They have to. Sure. Oh, that would be something. Um, so yeah, so Lafreniere here, I mean, this is a guy, you know, the, at the top, he's, he's held this top spot, um, on your list. I mean, pretty consistently like, you know, the draft is not for months, but nothing really of notes going to happen between now and then. Like this guy's like, what's your percentage? He's a top pick. If you have to put it at this point, can't we just pencil this in? Like 98% I would say. Yeah. You know, like I said, I hear enough Byfield and Stutzel love that I think there's a semi-plausible argument that that could happen. But I would say, you know, I did a, a poll of NHL scouts a few months ago, you know, a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, 30 a long of, time ago. Th- 30, uh, 30 out of 30, I think, gave them the number one vote or something like that. Yeah. It was a pretty overwhelming consensus. So I would, I think in the NHL draft, you never want to be a hundred percent certain. There's always a chance, but he's pretty, you know, it's pretty certain at this stage. Yeah. Um, great playmaker. I'm, uh, you know, in reading, in reading your piece, like that's, it's, you know, a dominant player, but great playmaker, which is, I love that out of, out of a winger. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, I, and I don't think that's the comp, like in terms of stylistic, you know, you're kind of hoping that it's a Patrick Kane kind of impact. That's, that's what you're hoping. Not saying right. he's going to be that kind of player, but you're hoping that's what you're getting at one. Yeah. I, you're supposed to say he's Patrick Kane only with some other attribute that makes him better than Patrick Kane. Don't you know how any of these comps work, Corey? All right. So the other thing I want to get into with your list, Corey, is, and I want to make this distinction. This is your list. This is if Corey Pronman is, you know, you're putting your name behind this. Your name is in the headline. What this is sure. not is, what's that? Do you want to, do you want to add in there something? Your, your name is in no. the headline. Yes, it is. I thought, I thought like, this is not like my projection uh, for yes. for how the draft is going to go. This that's, is that, not. That's what, uh, can I finish the sentence? Or you want to? All right, go ahead, Corey. No, it's fine. You... No, 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 no. I, I, I kind of figured. I saw where you were going with this, but well, go ahead. Yeah, you can finish your thoughts. What this isn't is your projection, and and I, and I hope people are able to make that distinction. Um. So here's your list, but you also have a sense of of where teams are. Where do you see the biggest deviations between your list and NHL people you're talking to? Yeah, I mean the first one I kind of, as I mentioned before, would be Sanderson. I have him in that. Who you group hate, right? Between, You've been pretty down on him all year. You're not a fan. I have him. I, I have him in that group between ten to thirteen, uh, in that one little in that one grouping. Uh, right. But I suspect he would be in the grouping. Ahead, if you talk to NHL Wait, people. First of all, sit, you sit. have him at 13. You don't have him in a group of 10 to 13. You have him at, like, he's at the bottom of the okay. group then. Okay, you can... <laughs> I, I think those are semantics, but 
Yes, that is that is accurate. Okay. Uh, but I, I would suspect in a, if you pulled NHL teams, he'd be in that group ahead, that six to nine group. Okay. Uh, and some would, I'd say, I think a minority would have him in that even a higher, like the top five tier. But I think most I talked to have him in that six to ten-ish range. Uh, so yeah, not a huge deviation, but a notable deviation. I, I just, the, the last few ha- months of the year, I thought he was awesome. In the first half, I, I had some questions to, to be in that, that high a spot. But I think some, there are definitely some teams who think this guy could be Hampus Lindholm, Ryan McDonough kind of player. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a, you know, uh, the other two would be, you know, I well, can we, hold on. Can I pause? Can I pause you right there before you jump to the other two? What's, Fine. Oh, I want to talk about Sanderson because it, like he is a name that you've, you've heard. There's a lot of juice behind right now. Moving up the list uh, could be the first defenseman off the board. The first defenseman tends to go higher than we anticipate at times, and so like this, you know, he could go really high. Um, what are and, and so you're saying, okay, if if it all works out, he's McDonough. What are your concerns? Like, what is what is keeping you from liking this guy as much as other people? I guess, you know, I've watched him a lot over the last two years and there's just been a lot of games I, I watch where I just don't see the offensive impact. And it doesn't have to be like flashy, like high-end skill. I just don't see like him moving the puck at a high-end level or showing real prowess on the power play in any real significant manner. Mm-hmm. That said, I think at the same age, people said the same things about McDonough and they said the same things about Hampus Lindholm. You know, I had concerns on both of their offensive outputs when they, when they were younger and, and how much skill they actually had. So I think there's that reason that I could see the reasonable arguments either way, but that's my somewhat of a concern with standards. And it just, I, I don't know how much the offense is going to translate, uh, to higher levels. Uh, but there is a very real chance he goes off. And I think it's, if you kind of look at this draft class and if you, if you read the article, which I'm sure you did in detail, you know, oh, because I, you look twice just this yeah, morning. You know, out, outside of that top three, so outside of Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel, you don't really have a lot of profile of like elite athletes, mm. meaning guys who are six two, six three, six four. You know, strong, great skaters, just guys who have those really elite athletic traits. It's a lot of undersized wingers. Drysdale's an elite skater, but he's 5'11. Yeah. Askarov's a great athlete, but he's a goalie. So, right. like, if you, you know, you know, you know, Jarvis is a great skater, but he's 5'10. You know, mm. you don't really have that true elite athlete profile until you get to Sanderson. So, that's the kind of things you value. If you value the size and the skating and the, the projectability from a true elite athlete, you know, Sanderson after that top three is probably the next guy in that kind of description. And we know team like that's that's a really that's a good way to put it, Corey. Like teams like that combination. They like the combination of athletic like this is silly to say, athleticism and size. And so if you're weighing if you're sitting there going, okay, who projects? It's it just seems easier to say, okay, this guy projects as an NHL player better than the guy who's five eleven. We've yeah, seen it over and over again. The, the, yeah, there's a lot of guys in this top of this range that are undersized and also possibly not tremendous skaters. And I, mm. you know, and they, and I have all of them. That's right a bad really combo. I gotta say, I don't love that combo. But, but there's a, but I love all of them because they're all incredibly skilled and intelligent and competitive. I think they're all great players. But 
depending on what you value. I can see why some organizations are really going to like Sanderson and why yeah. they're really going to like Braden Schneider and Caden Gooley, two other defensemen who I think have very good chances to go in the top 15 because they also have the size and the skating and the physicality that I think makes me think that they're all going to go rather high. Yeah. Okay, you said there was two other players that that seemed to have some distinction between your list and NHL people's list. Yeah, and that would be Schneider and Gooley. Like, yeah. I think there's a pretty, I wouldn't say a lock, but I'd say a pretty good chance both of those guys are going to go in the top 15. I think both were rated pretty highly by Central. and I Sometimes Central's rankings don't always reflect the NHL industry, but I think in this case they do. I think teams have watched Schneider and Gooley very closely, and there's a lot of momentum for both of them to be picked rather high just because they are the 6'2"-ish defensemen who have really good feet and uh, they're, you know, in the case of Gooley, he's extremely physical. In the case of Schneider, he's physical, but he also moves the puck extremely well. Uh, both of them, kind of like Sanderson, don't have giant point totals, but they do have some decent point totals that go with the great athleticism. And I think, you know, there are a lot of teams I think that think, you know, those two guys as well as Sanderson project, you know, as top four defensemen. And given that this draft does not have a lot of top four defensemen that project out that way, I think those guys are going to have a lot of value. Yeah, they're going to go higher. So let me ask you this just conceptually. Do you, where would you slot a, a defenseman who's an NHL top pair defenseman on your PK, but is on your second power play unit? Like not, not your quarterback. Is, are you willing to take a top five pick on that player? You know, it's uh, it's a good question because I guess it would depend on the caliber of your team. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, does Miro because Miro Heiskanen in Dallas, to my knowledge, you know, John John Klingberg is the first power play guy there, sure. right? Sure. You know, but that's a really good team. You know, so I guess that depends on the caliber of your team. Like there's there's a there's a point I think where it makes sense. Like you know, Miro Heiskanen's an awesome player, right? Um, yeah, you take him in your top uh, you five know, all day. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of, I think that's what Sanderson projects out as. Like, I think like, you talk to teams and they don't, nobody's telling me this is a top power play guy. He's like, maybe second power play, maybe not the main guy in your second power play, but helps your second power play. So I think that's the kind of guy you're, you're kind of focusing in on. And, I, and I've asked teams like, okay, I've had this, I've asked this question, like, would you take Campus Lindholm in the, in the top five? You know, mm. and, you know, would you take Ryan McDonough in the top five? And I think you come back with, some say yes, some say like that's all the bubble for us because there isn't that high-end offensive impact. But I think that's in the reasonable range of discussion. It's why I'm very unsure on Sanderson. That's, that's yeah. why it's why I say like that's why I said the grouping, even though you called me out on that immediately, because I do think there's a reasonable <laughs> argument that you can get them all the way up to ten. Uh, and I do think I and I and I think there's I think it's very likely he is going to go in the top ten. I would say Ryan McDonough. It, it at peak, you know, health. Ryan McDonough at his best, you know, maybe it was more with the Rangers. Is for sure a top five pick. Yeah, and I and I, I understand the argument completely. Okay, I like like that's you win you win games with Ryan McDonough playing twenty eight minutes for you. Like that's a guy that it, like, and I mean he was a whatever he was twelve to Montreal. Yeah. Let's not forget. Yeah, Crazy. Uh, picked out of high, picked out of high school. Wow. 
That's I, that's there's a lot there. We should revisit the Montreal picking right. Yeah, and and oh, there's a whole lot there. First, he was picked out of high school, and then he went to Wisconsin, where he really didn't put up any numbers at all. And then he was part of the Scott Gomez trade, Ugh. where you know there there there's there's a lot that follows that history right there. Yeah, taking two picks before him, Keaton Ellerby from Kamloops. Also, yeah. a, a, and that, that's another guy who kind of fits that profile of a big, highly mobile defenseman who didn't pan out because he didn't right. have the offense. It's a, it's a neat, boy, I would, like, if I worked, like, these would be conversations I would love having because I, I would be curious what your head coach are, are, would say. Are we, not ha- are, we, are we not having them? I would like that. <laughs> well, I mean, we are. I would like that, like, like behind closed doors in an NHL organization. If you're saying, you know, what would you rather have? Uh, a guy who's on your first power play maybe isn't is great defensively. Like if you're talking to the coach, uh, you know. All right. All right. So who do you, who do you think is better, Kale McCarr or Miro Heiskanen? I mean, Kale McCarr is ridiculous. I mean, I, I'd have to say Kale McCarr. My right. Quinn Hughes or Mir- Qu- Quinn Hughes or Miro Heiskanen. And Quinn Hughes is a good player too. Like these, I don't know. I, like I, I am, I, I'm, I'm more aligned with you, Corey, in that like I want a guy that's changing games with his ability. I just, I wonder if coaches and people that you know, what's it there and go? If I have to win a playoff game in a playoff series, you know, I don't know if I want Quinn Hughes as my defenseman that's playing the most. And I'm not. This is not a knock on Quinn Hughes. I just know how coaches think. They would probably it's they reason. might say Miro Heiskanen. Yeah. And by the way, Miro Heiskanen yeah. was great in the playoffs. Yeah, no, he's an amazing player. And that, that that argument you gave to me is something I hear when I talk to NHL folks of, you know, we, when we get to the draft, you know, is that, you know, there are certain guys and we could highlight them, if we, you know, that like are like highly skilled guys who are small and not that, not, not that fast and not that gritty. They're like, yeah, they're going to be a great player and they're going to disappear in the playoffs. Like I hear that argument all the time. I'm not sure I 100% agree with it, but I definitely do hear that argument from NHL folks consistently. Right. And I will say one of the best defensemen for the Boston Bruins in their run in the playoffs last year was Tory Krug, five nine. Yep, yeah, I think I think it's I, I, my my working hypothesis that that pretty good players tend to be pretty good players at all times. The game might change slightly in the playoffs, but I, in, in terms of being a little bit more physical and and uh, what may or may not be called a penalty, uh, but I don't think the game tra- changes. A hundred percent. There just might be some. There, there might be something on the edges there. I'm trying to think of like, is there a guy that we, you know, who's the defenseman who disappears in the playoffs? That's smaller and skilled or more skilled. Like that. I guess that would be. And, I, and I'm trying to think of anybody that doesn't jump to jump to mind. Yeah, they they, they usually talk about forwards and they talk about that kind of right. stuff. Like it's just, the guys who just can't get past the big defenseman, can't get to the middle of the ice. Right. Um, you know, when you talk about this draft, like they'll, they'll, people will single out a guy like, like Perfetti or like, or s- someone along those lines of like, or like, you know, or, you know, of a guy who's like, yeah, he's incredibly skilled and intelligent, but, you know, I think when, when they go, it's, he's gonna, it's gonna be a, a trans, a transition for him. But, you know, small, highly skilled players are successful all the time in the NHL and, uh, it's an interesting debate, like you said. Yeah. Um, I love the goalie debate. You've got Askarov at 
eight, I believe. I've, I've now yes. almost clicked on something else. I, didn't, I, I do have your list memorized, okay. so you don't have to worry about that, of course. No, that's fine. Your, your attention span comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I. It's, so, like, this was a guy. I think when all of this hit, the COVID stuff, um, we, you know, it, in the completely trivial. Obviously, when you're talking about a, glo- a global pandemic, I always want to, you know, with all the that first said. But you know, we're saying hey, this might be a guy that could be hurt because, you know, he probably wanted to play more games and, and get some more viewings for, from teams. Yeah. You you still have him locked in your top ten. I think it would have been easy to drop him. I guess. What's can you yeah. t- take us through your thought process there? Yeah, and I would say from my discussions with teams is there are some who have dropped him, and I would mm-hmm. say there's also a pretty large group of people who have him either right where I have him or higher. Uh, I don't think that those last few but those last few months weren't great for him. But from talking to folks, I don't think it was devastating enough to take him out of that like true top tier. And I think the backdrop of Askarov is interesting. So I looked at pretty much all the first round goalie picks in like the history of the league. Okay. And that were, that played at 17 in their drafters and not an 18 year old, like a late birth date. And I don't think there was like, I think there's might've been like, I don't know if there's even was ever a guy who played his full year versus men like at all. Like Askarov's, it's tough. It's tough to find a comparable for Askarov to even like any even even like one or two data points because it really doesn't seem to be any. He played as a very young O2. I think he's like a junior or July O2 versus men the entire season, and he held his own. You know, you you know he had that amazing Helinka Gretzky where he was dominant. He yeah. had that amazing U18 Worlds where he ruined your story. He did. He, uh, uh, then he had the bad world juniors. He had the bad February five nations, but I've seen him just over the last like two to three years, just be so consistently dominant outside of those last two to three months of the year, you know, incredibly athletic, incredibly intelligent, um, aggressive, but controlled, uh, the right-handed glove, uh, you know, very confident, um, competitive goalie. Uh, I, I just see, a, you know, puts up generally very good numbers wherever he goes. Um, he it is he just seems to check a lot of the boxes outside of the poor world juniors um that I think you would find very attractive in a goalie and I I think you know we all are aware of the track record of, of high goalie picks and goalie picks in general that there is a higher error rate and I, and I account for that in in this slotting um, but right. I, you know, I, I think there's a talent that probably exceeds that slot to be quite honest. The talents just, and the, and the brain are just exceptional. Um, uh, but I see a guy who I just think has just passed almost every test the last couple of years and just shows he can be, he can be consistently dominant. Right. And it, it's, it is interesting because people have tend to avoid goalies in, in round one. You know, it's, sure. it's the, the draft, the draft has evolved, but, you know, I remember talking to somebody with Florida, you know, midway through the season. Again, everything seems like a long time ago when they were they were short on goalies, and they were looking at Spencer Knight already as, "Hey, maybe this guy, this is somebody we can call up, and you know, at least give a look to." And he goes and has a you know great freshman season at Boston College. Like, you know, I'm sure Florida isn't regretting taking Spencer Knight at wherever they took him. Like, I, I think if if you love the goalie, go get him. Right, of course. Spencer Knight hasn't played an NHL game yet, but he did have an he did have an amazing season. And I think you talk to NHL people um, in in the scouting business, and 
they think that pick looks really good at 13. If not, yeah. probably could be, they would say he, in a redraft, he's going in the top 10 right now. Mm. You know, I think Askarov is better than Knight, but I, but I, and I'm not sure I already have Knight in the top 10 right now, but I think like he's in that reasonable range of discussion. Yeah. You know, given how, how great his year was. In my scouting report, based on seeing both of them play head to head once, I think Askarov's better. We appreciate your opinion. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts on your list? What kind of was there any um, any feedback you got, either comments or sources that that you thought was interesting? Um, no, not not particularly. Because by the time this thing landed, I probably had all the conversations I needed to with a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all had our disagreements, like certain players, whether it was Sanderson or the Chicago kids or Poirier or Jack Quinn, or you know, we've all we've all had our disagreements about various players at some point or time. And I, I don't think there was a Caden Gouldy would be the other one too. I, I, nothing that I got from texts from folks that were like, you know, I am shocked you didn't have this guy here or something like that. I think by by that point, uh, nothing that was really interesting. On that front, probably more from readers than it was from scouts, just because I haven't had those discussions with readers before. At least yeah. among, among, the, among the class as a whole, I usually just do like very top of the draft kind of uh, write ups before the final list drops. And this might not be the final final list, as we kind of said before. Uh, yeah, we 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 do reserve the right to change it depending on what happens over the course in the next four to five months. Um, okay, last thing because we won't talk again um, until after at all. Like, don't call me or anything. Until after the draft lottery, I don't, I don't plan to. <laughs> we certainly won't talk on the podcast. So I, so you know, teams. We're talking about the top three picks. Um, if you're Ottawa or Detroit, and you're sitting here in, in decent position, but actually the odds are bad, and you get you get dropped to four. Now you're mo- You know, according to your list, it's Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel. Like how how devastating is that? Like if you're now picking from whatever it is, the Perfetti Raymond range, how how should how should Detroit or Ottawa? I mean, Ottawa's going to get a million picks in this top area, anyways. But let's say you're Detroit and you drop to four. How big a setback is that? It's big. Like yeah. there, you can't you can't like you can't cushion that thing. Uh, you you go from getting a guy who's a six one six two guy with elite skill and hockey sense who can skate not doesn't isn't an incredible skater but skates well super competitive or a guy like Byfield who's the six four extremely skilled great skating centerman to okay we're we're looking at a five eleven ish forward who's not exceptionally fast but has tremendous skill or you're getting the five eleven defenseman who's pretty mobile and right. smart but doesn't have high-end skill or you're looking at Sanderson who's that big defenseman but lacks the high-end offense or you're looking at a goalie like there's a there, there's a there's a big drop-off in attributes mm. um you know you're you know it's the difference between one and four in any given draft is usually pretty large and I think in this draft it's that's at least the projection at the moment uh you, you know number one overall picks change franchises uh that and uh it, well, and I think that the number two pick is a really, really good player too. But you know, you, it's a pretty significant uh, moment for a franchise to get a first overall pick, and get a f- number four is nowhere near that significance. Mm. Is Stutzel a center or a winger to you in the NHL? I I think he's a center. 
I think talking to NHL folks is a 50-50 split. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, he tells me he thinks he's a center. All right. Well, good. If he <laughs> thinks he is, I think he is. I'll, I'll take his word for it. I'm just going to sit here until you say something, Corey. I don't I mean, I, I don't know what you want me to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Corey, great work as always on this list. There's so, like, if you haven't read it, I'm, to, to people listening, if you haven't gone and looked at this list, and I know there's a lot of distractions and, and you know, it's maybe hard to focus on the draft, certainly, but when you get a chance to do it, it is exhaustive. There's so much research that goes into it. Um, there's quotes from people that know these players. This isn't just Corey's analysis. Uh, it's it is just a it, it's it's the highlight of the year if you're a draft fan to, to to get a look at this list. So Corey, great great work on this. You can go to theathletic.com uh, to check out Corey's work. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey Pronman. Um, you can subscribe if you're not a subscriber. Go to this list, and I'm sure there's you know I don't know what the current deal is. We'll, we'll be in there. I think it's a 30 day free trial, but I don't want to say anything for sure. But you will get a, a deal and. Subscribe to that list and check it out because it's great work. And Corey, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me.